A reading from the Epistle of James, chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I, by my works, will show you my faith. But you believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown you senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren? Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that faith was active along with his works, and faith was brought to completion by the works. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Well, good morning. Uh, I want to say thank you to Pastor Katie and Pastor Emma for the opportunity to preach this Mission Sunday. I don't know about you, but my church clothes are a little bit tight. I haven't been out much in formal wear, uh, but it's great to be here in the flesh with all of you. Uh, thank you to Morningside Presbyterian Church. I see many familiar faces here this morning. Uh, and no doubt more watching on home. Uh, In-Town Collaborative Ministries would not be here without you all as a ministry partner. There's no doubt about that. It has been my great honor to serve as the Executive Director of In-Town these past 11 years. Our mission is to prevent and reverse homelessness and hunger in In-Town Atlanta. Since our founding in 2011, this congregation has supported our work in this neighborhood and now throughout the city. Morningside has provided us with three of our seven board chairs. Uh, first, our, uh, from our first chair, Reverend Joanna Adams, Pastor Emerita here, to your former pastor, Baron Mullis, to our current board chair, Bill Humphreys. Uh, Ann Watson and Drew Stockstill from this congregation have also served on the board, and Alex Watts is a current member. You have provided great leadership to InTown. Thank you. Your volunteer support, food donations, advocacy, financial contributions have helped InTown continue to expand to meet the needs of neighbors in need. During the pandemic, we have stepped up to meet the growing needs and you've been there every step along the way. Our homeless outreach team has led Atlanta's efforts to house more folks in the last year than in any other year in the city's history. 
Uh, we have doubled our homeless outreach team uh, during this pandemic, reaching out to more neighbors here in Morningside and throughout the city, uh, people who have lost hope that a better life is possible. There are 211 people in their own safe homes who were on the streets last year, thanks to our incredible team. And you all have been a solid foundation of workers and donors to our food pantry, which now serves five times as many people as we did two years ago. You're our number one congregation in donating food, which accounts for 40% of all of our groceries distributed. We'd love to have you come to volunteer uh, and volunteer at any of our uh, y'all's mission partners. Uh, go to your website and uh, click under the serve button for ways to do that. The Grateful Dead have a song called Scarlet Begonias. It's one of my favorites. Uh, it came on the radio the other day and, uh, and I put it right here in my sermon. Uh, it's quintessential Grateful Dead. Wonderful music, mysterious, mythic themes, and a casual pearl of wisdom dropped in, easily overlooked. One such pearl is this. Once in a while, you get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look at it right. Have you had that happen before? A breakthrough of beauty in an unexpected place? During these days, as the pandemic drags on, these little moments have really buoyed my spirits. Maybe you've seen a spider web that catches the light just so. Or a blue and purple and orange sunset as you turn the corner driving home from work. Or maybe it was an episode of Ted Lasso that socks you in the gut in just the right way. Once in a while, you get shown the lights in the strangest of places if you look at it right. Now that's the Grateful Dead, but it might well contain some of the good news of Jesus Christ in it as well. Our passages from Matthew's Gospel and Luke's letter this morning reveal to us something similar about the disrupting good news of our God found in strange and unexpected places. This passage from Matthew has shaped my life more than any other passage in the Bible. Maybe it has for you as well. Jesus is talking to his disciples, telling them the truth, but through parables, through stories. The uh, parables about faith and God, right living, eternal life, damnation. In our passage, the Son of Man speaks to the entire world at the end of times. Humanity is separated into two groups, the sheep and the goats. The sheep are the good ones, the ones who have been born again, who have confessed their sins and accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. The sheep are the good religious people who don't listen to rock and roll or secular music, but only Christian songs. And don't drink or do drugs or be intimate before they're married. And they definitely love only this gender of people and not that gender of people. The sheep believe the right things and do the right things and avoid doing the wrong things because eternal life depends on it. 
Oh, wait, I'm sorry, that's not in this passage at all. (laughs) In this passage, the Son of Man doesn't care about any of that. The Son of Man grants eternal life based on how people treat the lowliest and the most vulnerable. The hungry, the thirsty, the strangers, the prisoners. The sheep are confused. They just serve those in need because that's what you do. The goats did none of this and were sent to the eternal fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. Eternal life, Matthew tells us today, has nothing to do with religiosity or faith. The righteous sheep encountered God, encountered Jesus, with their own two hands as their upstanding neighbors might have gossiped about the questionable company they kept with those people. But Jesus was those people, was the mother in the food pantry line, was the traumatized heroin addict sleeping on the sidewalk on Ponce, was the Haitian refugee. Jesus was the black man jailed for a minor drug offense. The goats might well have been the decent religious people with the right doctrines and bona fides, but there was no way that God was going to be found among those people, or so they told themselves. God was in a place so strange to them that they missed him every day of their lives. Our passage from James this morning reveals more strange truth. James talks about faith and works, Faith and works, we don't really talk about works a lot in our day-to-day lives, but this dynamic between faith and works is a very important theological one in the New Testament and our lives, and much discussed. James is speaking to this debate in our passage. Now, elsewhere in the New Testament, faith is conceived of as a belief, a hope in Jesus, believing in Jesus, Pure and simple was literally the most important thing in life and beyond life. Rituals or tending to the poor or sacrifices in the temple, these kinds of works were not important, only faith. Now that particular notion of faith is found in many places today. I spent a number of years as a conservative evangelical Christian, and we talked a lot about this kind of faith talked about how to bring people to Jesus and encourage them to ask God to enter their lives by their faith. But what does James say to a faith like this? He jumps right into the debate. What use is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? In the same way, faith also, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. James is pretty clear. Faith, yes. But a so-called faith that is divorced from this world is empty, hollow, 
meaningless. Faith, in fact, isn't faith if it ignores the needs of the poor. I tell you what, I did not grow up reading or hearing passages like this much in my church. It's downright disruptive and has been for centuries. Uh, Martin Luther, the, the father of the Protestant Reformation from the 16th century, famously came down on the side of justification by faith alone. Luther formulated his theology in contrast to the Roman Catholic Church at the time, which he felt was promoting a salvation through works. It's hard to overestimate how influential Luther has been in Christian history. This Presbyterian church, my Methodist denomination, the Lutherans, the Baptists, the Pentecostals, the Wesleyans, the Reformed churches, and many more all branch off from the tree that Luther planted. And Luther hated the letter of James. He hated it. He called it, quote, an epistle of straw compared to these others, for it had nothing of the nature in the gospel about it. Luther disliked James so much that when he was translating the New Testament, he took it out of the New Testament and put it in an appendix at the end. Whoa, this is a strong reaction. <laughs> I, read, uh, I read James today, and this seems pretty darn reasonable to me. Faith, if it ignores the needs of the poor, if it's spiritualized and somehow unrelated to this flesh and blood world is dead. Faith that must be engaged with the world addressing the suffering of our brothers and sisters. This was a faith too strange for Luther. You can see, you see Luther had created a box called Christianity and he rips James out of that box because it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit even though James was a disciple of Jesus and this is one of the letters in the Bible itself. Now on the one hand, we all do this. We create systems, we create worldviews. It's part of our human nature. We categorize the world around us in order to make sense of our experience. We generalize, we stereotype, we categorize. And it can be very benign. My two-year-old boy, Leo, every vehicle that drives by is a fire truck. He lumps things together. We all do this. But our tendency to put things in neat and closed boxes can be harmful, sinful, even deadly. The history of our country has the blood of black bodies and brown bodies Native American bodies spilled on it by Christians, mostly, who confidently knew what God was telling them to do. We draw heavy lines between right and wrong. We religious people tend to form systems of belief that place some people inside and some people outside. This is, there is good and normal and there is bad and strange. There are people who deserve love and mercy, and there are those who do not. But if we think about it, we only think of 
God as being in strange, unexpected places because all too often we have very clear expectations of where God should be. Our experience of strangeness reveals our tendency to create just these kinds of boxes, to create these worldviews. This is what the goats in Matthew's parable were doing, those good religious people. They had a religious system, an order, a box that contained everything, including God. And they were wrong. And they were blind, and they missed God every day. James Fowler was a theologian at Candler School of Theology for many years. His seminal book was called Stages of Faith. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend. Fowler and his colleagues did hundreds of interviews and studies in the early 1980s of many people of many ages and religious and cultural backgrounds over a period of time. Fowler suggested that faith development was akin to psychological development. Like psychological development, Fowler said, spiritual development and movement wasn't necessarily linear, but that people did tend to move through certain characteristic stages. The early faith stages are mirrors of childhood as we distinguish between ourselves and the outside worlds. What happens in the later stages is maturity develops and people begin to examine themselves and critically engage inherited beliefs and systems. As people grow in faith, Fowler found, people become open to paradox, open to mystery. People rise to a vantage point where they are open to finding God in incompatible and often strange places. The good news in Matthew and James is not easy to understand. But here is the good news. God in Jesus constantly disrupts our lives, calling us to find God in the vulnerable in our society. Matthew tells us that eternal life hangs in the balance. James concurs, saying that faith and works of justice are two sides of the same coin. We are human beings, the same as the great Martin Luther. We are going to create judgments about the world and its people and create systems and put people and things into boxes. What if faith is not a set of ideas, adherence to the right doctrine, or something located in our isolated hearts between us and God? What if faith is God disrupting the world, starting with us, over and over and over again, calling us to be in relationship and fight alongside the most vulnerable among us. Friends, the good news will disrupt our lives. The good news breaks the power of sin and shines a light in the strangest of places. Let us serve our neighbors who are suffering, who are experiencing homelessness and hunger, poverty, addictions, illiteracy, despair. 
and thereby serve God. Have faith. Get your hands dirty. Come join us at InTown. Come join us at Clifton. Come join us at Dobbs Elementary. Come join us at Meals on Wheels or Memorial Drive Ministry or Nicholas House or join a mission trip here at the church. But join us and may we all be disrupted together. Amen.